And there's still time. Welcome to episode 39 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pender. And we're still here in Vancouver, even though the Whitecaps are heading down to Arizona, baby. Yep, the first phase of the Whitecaps training camp wrapped up on Monday morning up at UBC. It's been an interesting start to the the pre-season camp. A lot of new faces, a lot of young guys in, as we talked about, and also... A little bit of rustiness from some of the veterans, but now that we're about to move on to phase two and you're hoping to see a little bit more. So with that first phase all wrapped up, what have you made of what you've seen so far, Steve? I think it's, uh, like we said in an earlier podcast uh, last week, it's a very energetic training uh, session for this preseason. The players seem to be, especially the young ones, are really going all out to begin with. Seems like the veterans are pacing themselves a little bit. And it showed a little bit in the fitness testing that they did on Friday. Yeah, that's always my one of my favourite bits of, of the training every season. And it's probably the, the player's least favourite as well. But it's just it's great to watch the sprints, the jumps, and of course the infamous yo-yo test. Some interesting results though. Yeah, especially in the yo-yo test where a lot of the veterans uh, dropped out considerably early. And it was the residency and the young young players that lasted longer. Obviously, the HPP training, high performance training in the off season, really helped out with them with them staying fit for this test. Well, if you look at the the endurance results, the the top five, the, the teams were split into defenders and goalkeepers in the first session, and then it was midfielders and forwards in the second session. But the results at the release were everyone collated together. So Sam Adekudbe won the defenders and the goalkeepers session. But he finished fourth overall, with the top three being Marco Bustos third, Mitch Perot second, and Russell Tiber, of course, number one. Not, not really surprised with Russell Tiber, but you have to be a little bit it's pleasantly surprised, especially with Marco Bustos. Because anybody who's watched a residency over the years, is, especially when he first came in, uh, he wasn't in the best shape all the time. He was he got winded fastly. A little fastly. bit podgy. Yeah, a little bit podgy. Got winded quick, quickly. Had to be reminded to put some effort into the game and everything like that. So, uh, very good to see him. Mitch Perot has always been a box-to-box midfielder, so not totally surprising there. Bryce Allison was up there too with Ben Fisk as well. Yeah, the, the thing with Marco, I, I think it just shows how hungry and how much he wants this MLS contract. He's got himself really fit in the off-season. He really put the effort in this week and 
he was going really strong. I mean, the three of them, Bustos, Perot and Tybert, the, the two residency guys gave Tybert a pretty good run for their money before having to drop out. But, I mean, Mitch Perot, really surprised about him. Jackson Farmer as well did really well. He finished, I think he finished second or third, I can't remember now, but it was second or third in the defenders' uh, endurance. And just overall, Jackson... Had some pretty good results in agility and in the the sprint. The sprint is what really like I was very surprised with that. He's like basically in the top five for the ten meter, twenty meter, and thirty meter sprints, and that was surprising to see from him. I never, he's always been a smooth player, like very uh, good on the ball. He takes good angles and everything. I did not realize how uh, you know pacey he was on the without the ball in in the, in the tests. And for for a centre back, I mean that. Yeah. That's just fantastic to actually have a centre-back that's got a bit of pace. Especially when you're looking at two of our main guys of, of Judy Merritt and Andy O'Brien. Lacking a little bit of pace. But we'll come to Andy O'Brien a little bit later on in this podcast. Before we talk any more about the pre-season and the fitness tests, let's hear from a man that knows a lot about fitness training. New Whitecaps assistant coach. Former fitness and conditioning coach at a number of clubs all around the world. Martin Pert. Okay, well, the, the testing is to give us an indication um, where the players are in terms of their levels um, from where they were last season and also to give an indication of uh, where we are as a squad, you know, um, player against player. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's a good idea to do it and uh, it's better to do it how, we, how we've done it in terms of like giving three or four days to get used to training, get used to the pitch and the surface again and then come out and do this uh, battery of tests and I'm sure we'll... We'll do this um, towards the end of pre-season to really illustrate uh, the success of pre-season. They look good. They look good. They've looked good um, from Monday to, uh, to, to now, really. The uh, training's been good and lively, and um, they've worked really hard. So, you know, none of them look... Um, yeah, and there's no, no real bad ones. So. I thought Andy, Andy O'Brien's done well. He's 34 years old. He's, he looks like he's been working well in the off-season. He's come back and, you know, he's uh, he competed well in the year. He tested well. Please... Now we talked about some of the players that did well in the fitness training. I, I want to look at some, name some names that didn't do so well, especially in the endurance, and dropped out. And I find some of it a little bit concerning. In the midfielders and forward section, the first person to crash out was Darren Mattox. And we didn't have an exact time. He only did something like 10 to 12 rounds. Okay. He looked really, really short by the end of it. And then the next ones to fall out in order were Nigel Rio Coker, Gershon Kofi and Matt Watson. There's your midfield engine falling out of the endurance test. Uh, do you think this is more about the veterans not being not maybe being ready for this test so early in the training camp or do you well, think they'll, they'll they'll pick it up a little bit in the future? I mean Nigel showed last year that he has got an engine and he can run for a, a lot of the game. Gershon Kofi surprised me and kind of disappointed me by dropping out so early. This, to me, is quite a make-or-break season for Kofi because if he doesn't go and continue to develop, and I think last season he kind of went a little bit backwards, I'm not sure that he's going to be considered to be a regular starter. So you would think he's going to come into pre-season and from day one, fight, compete, show his hunger, show how fit he is, and then he drops out really early in the endurance side of it. And I just find that really disappointing. And it does raise some concerns to me about just the general fitness. I know it's early days, but it does raise some general concerns for me about the fitness of our midfield. And it could be one of the things 
that then allows Carl Robinson to bring in the young guys, Bustos Froze. And if you're looking for a DM, maybe someone like Michael Kafari, who has got quite a good engine on him, and Michael Calderon as well, another draft pick midfielder, who regularly featured in the top for fitness and for speed at the combine. I mean, these guys could seize their chance if some of the guys that have been playing are showing that they're not up to the same level of adu- of endurance and agility as these new guys. Well, I think it's, it's still a little early as well. They, they still have another, what, six weeks to go to pick up their training, pick up their fitness. I, I don't think they do another one. Uh, I think this is the only fitness test they will do. Or maybe they do do one just before the season starts or something like that. Um, but I, I'm not overly concerned right now. I would be more concerned if this was three weeks in and this was the results. Yeah, and it's how they're going to perform in the games that's coming up in Arizona as well. And, and again, we'll come to that later in the podcast. Now, some of that Martin mentioned there, and we mentioned it as well, that's done really well in the first week of training, but also in these fitness tests, was veteran central defender Andy O'Brien. Now, we spoke with Andy after the, the fitness test on Friday just to see his thoughts on preseason so far and what advice he can give some of the young players trying to, to make the grade and, and earn a spot on the MLS roster. Yeah, uh, always look something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, I suppose there's no hiding place for the yo-yo test, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's our first weekend, so hopefully we'll be looking to improve on uh, our statistics as the uh, pre-season goes by. But yeah, it's it's been enjoyable. How have you found uh, the first week in camp so far? Has it? I mean, you've been through so many camps. Is there is there new stuff for you every time? Or yeah, there's. Uh, I think every manager I've had has had a different philosophy. Um, but, but this one's you know really good there's been uh, it's been explained to us what is expected of us um it's been we've been informed of how it's going to be planned and uh, you know it makes sense we've, we're in a foundation period now um with the likelihood of it uh, well in the knowledge that it's going to get a lot harder which uh, you know is, is part and parcel of the pre-season we're trying to trying to build a a foundation to start off with and then uh, and kick on so uh, you know come for the first game of the season we're all raring to go now, it's a really young young group that's out there. Um, from what we've seen this week, you've been very vocal, you've been taking a lot of them under, under your wing. But what message are you giving to them? What, what are you telling the guys out there? I think the the biggest message I can give them, I'll say to them, is, uh, you know, they've got an opportunity here um, because of the circumstances that, you know, we've got a young squad and it's the ones that are going to listen and learn and develop the quickest that are going to get the opportunities, you know, um, in the career. I think the reason I say that is because from my own experience, I was given a chance at Bradford due to circumstances. There were a lot of injuries at the time. I was only 17 and I was thrust into the first team and it was either sink or swim. Um, it's maybe not as cutthroat over here, but certainly the ones that will learn the quickest from now, uh, you know, in the next six months to a year, um, you know, we're going to take on. There's big expectations with Kakuta now because we've seen flashes of what he did last season. There's a great opportunity for him here now if he can replicate what he did in the last few months of the season. Um, and to be fair, during the season when he scored against Dallas, he's, he's got a big opportunity and a big future ahead of him. The, we've spoken to a couple of the players this week and they've all said that this, this young group if they can get kept together for a couple of years and really thrive, this club's got a potential to have something special. Do you, do you think that? Yeah, I do, yeah. There's, um, I think it was interesting. I was uh, training with the HPP players and uh, 
I didn't know all the names, but there was a water bottles with everybody's name on, you know, the holders, and I just looked at them and I thought that not every single one of them plays is probably going to, you know, make it through to the Whitecaps first team. But again, I keep repeating myself, it's the ones that they're going to get an opportunity. Uh, they've got a great opportunity. Uh, they've got a manager who believes in, you know, the younger players who've already seen, he's already seen the younger players develop, you know, the, the couple of years he's been here. So whether they appreciate it or understand it um, is up to them. But my advice to them is, is that they've got a fantastic base chance, and it's you know it's you know football again. I, I say to them, football will give you everything that you want in your life. Whether you know for some people it's diamonds and fast cars, others it's to look after the family. You know, football will give you that if you if you want to dedicate yourself and your life to it. And um, you know there, there shouldn't be any regrets for them from their perspective that as to why if and not they don't make it or if they do. So that was Andy O'Brien talking about the fitness training on Friday. Now, today, before they went to Arizona, they were also on the pitch um, in the morning. They did a little bit of uh, possession training um, in a small rectangular, and then they had a 50-yard scrimmage, half half a field, um, where they were really working on possession, and then when the possession was lost, counterattacking. And it was interesting to see their, their movement. They, they seemed to be moving out wide quite a bit, Whenever the counterattack would happen, and seeing how the wide people would work the ball into the middle, one of the players that uh, impressed uh, again once again was Marco Bustos, who set up uh, Darren Maddox with a nice pass, and Darren Maddox actually finished it for once. Also, another guy that was pretty impressive. Uh, I know he's, he's not your choice, but as a backup right back, but Ethan Sampson seemed to really be pushing the ball forward, and he actually scored a, a bullet of a shot from outside the box. Samson also impressed in, in the fitness test. I mean, he finished in the top five in a, in a lot of categories. I still am not sure on him because of what, what I saw from him in, in PDL action last year. Now, Samson might be one of these players that struggles at the lower level at PDL, but if you put him in against the top professionals, maybe even get him some minutes in MLS or at Charleston or whatever, he might actually be a guy that's, that's going to thrive. It's still a battle at the moment between Samson and Cyrus. Because they've paid so much money for Betasure, I, I mean, we talked about this last time, I can't see them spending any more money on, on a backup, so you have to think it's going to be one of these two guys. One of these guys is going to be the, the new kind of Greg Clausura, I guess. Yeah, I, I think uh, the, because of the extra international spot they picked up, that gives a chance for Ethan Sampson to be there. Um, he They have invested a full year into him already. Uh, Cyrus is definitely the big advantage for him is he's a domestic player. So if there's a tie, you'd think they would go domestic instead of international, but then you never know because, like we said, he has been played for a year for the Whitecaps and been in the organization. And there's a chance that they'll they'll keep one or both of them around and, and send whoever doesn't make the MLS roster down down to Charleston. Yeah, so uh, one thing we should mention that we were talking about Samson, but Cyrus has been impressive too in camp and the scrimmages and stuff like that. And he did feature in the top five as well in yeah. a number of categories. And and he's the guy that I'm kind of rooting for. He's the guy that I want to make it in, not just because we did his first interview uh, when he came to the Whitecaps, but just because I've liked what I've seen from him. And what I've, I'd read about what he did at Maryland as well, I, I liked that as well. Yeah. 
So after the training session, well, we were given an opportunity to talk to the head coach, Carl Robinson, for a few minutes and ask him about what he's looking for in his first trip to Arizona as the head man and how he's going to bring this team together. And just his general thoughts on how the preseason camp has gone so far. Yo, Carl Robinson, you're back again. If you do this again, pretty soon we'll be friends. You're the newest member of my fully sick faction. Got your rhymes locked, loaded, ready for action. So, um, your overall thoughts on the first week of camp? It's been great. It's been uh, it's been very competitive. It's been sharp. It's obviously the first week is always a tough one because it's it's getting the players back into the to the groove and back into good habits and things like that so we've taken it maybe 80% of the first week uh, we'll step up another level now when we go to Arizona because it'll be a little bit warmer and uh, we'll be obviously on grass with an open complex of being able to do double and triple sessions so first week has been very good um, but still a lot of work ahead uh, the residency kids and all the other young players have really impressed so far in this first year uh, first week sorry yeah uh, what do they need to do in the matches that are coming up that, to really impress you and see, well, see they, what they can do they need to take their training ground performances off uh, across to the actually matches because you know I've known many a player that are, are great training ground players and it comes to a Saturday and they don't perform and you know that's what something I want to get out of players is I want to train the way you're going to play but when you do that you're obviously putting demands on yourself and then it's a different pressure when you step across that line on a Saturday because you got 20,000 plus that want you to do well and suddenly the the pressure becomes a little bit different but I'm going to try and instill that in them that whether you're training or playing you have the same desire mentality and work ethic um, when you are in Arizona for the for the games, is there a plan to mix it up uh, with the lineups, or are you looking for uh, playing the veterans with the veterans? Yeah, no, no. I'll be I'll, I'll be looking at an overall scenario of getting as many players as many minutes as I can, and there will be certain combinations I'll try out, and there'll be certain combinations that I don't because I've seen them before. So it's just trying to find the right mix. And you know, we've got a game against India Eleven and two games against Seattle, so all the young uh, lads will get opportunities, and the trialists will get opportunities, and you know. It, it's the first week of games. We've got seven games, I think, in total. So, you know, the last three games of uh, pre-season will then suddenly be focused on more team scenario. But at the moment, it's just working about getting back into the groove and combinations. Um, the uh, veterans, a lot of people say veterans pace themselves, for especially the first yep. week of camp. Were there any, like, based on that and the fitness training on yep. uh, on, on the uh, Friday, were there any pleasant surprises or disappointments that you had? Or were there anything you, know, you expected? I think you can look at... You can look at um, I'm sure every every club has their own uh, view on veterans. You know, I've been in that scenario, so I know my, I knew my body better than anyone. And it's, I've spoke to all the veterans individually as well. And you know, the one thing you get with veterans is that they usually know their body and know how to come back and what shape. I don't judge them from day one. I judge them over the period of six weeks of pre-season. So, you know, it's important come those six weeks they need to be in tip-top shape because if they're not, then obviously that's a worry. So, you know, I'll work with each of them individually um, and work with the best route of getting them to the top fitness come day one. Uh, your thoughts on Mitch Perot, who's been kind of like an under-the-radar residency player? He's not talked yep. about as much as Bustos or Froze nope. and all the other guys. So what are you th- your thoughts on him I've and known his performance? A, I've, he's been great. I know a lot about Mitch, obviously, through Gordon last year. And, you know, he's one of these that goes unnoticed he does everything very well without being the superstar of scoring goals or nutmegging someone or getting crowds off their feet, but he's very vital in any team. And I think he's come in and he's actually adapted very well and I've been very impressed with him. Uh, what are some of the characteristics characteristics that you look for in young players that that translate from yep. off the pitch to on the pitch success? Well, I want them to have a bit of character about themselves. You know, I know everyone's different and 
me coming from Wales, the background where it's very quiet and very trustworthy, I was, you know, taught to grow, grow very quickly, and I'm trying to get the character out in these young players. You know, if a, if a senior player tells them something in a constructive way, they accept the criticism, but they also then ask about the criticism and why, because they don't understand it. It's not about going into their shell, it's about expressing themselves, because young players play without fear, and I think that's what... I like about young players is because they're able to do that and transfer that across then they play with a freedom and you know I know supporters really love young players you know and and I do as a manager as well so it's important that they just go out and express themselves after one week can you start forming a framework for the lineup or is it too early at this point and and like like including who might be loaned out and everything like yeah no I, I've got a fair idea yeah. obviously you know things might change when the first couple of games go go on but you know, there's reasons and methods about why we're doing things with regards to training sessions and the fitness and the, the defensive side, the attacking side. But there's also reasons why we might loan guys out uh, for the purpose of that um, short, medium and long term as well. So there's a lot of planning that goes into place. And I certainly had a, a, a six or seven week period before I actually got the job that I thought well, what I would do with, with this group of players. And obviously now I'm able to put that in place. Uh, with going to Arizona... If there was one thing, what would you look to be successful on the pitch? And what one thing that you would want to do off the pitch that makes you successful as a team? I think we need to build a spirit and a camaraderie about the team and about the group. And I think when you've got young players, that helps because, you know, like I said there, they have no fear and they play with freedom. And I want energy in the team. And I think you get that with young players. You know, they've got to know their roles and responsibilities and they've got to groom to be good professionals. Um, so off the field it'll be based upon we're together, we win together, we lose together. On the field it'll be based upon being hard to beat. I think there was too many times last year where um, it, you know, there was questions about did we really want it and did it look as if players wanted to wear that shirt with pride. Well that's going to change and you know, I mean, still in a competition in, in my squad for places in the team but also in the environment of... You know, the minimum we come is to work with is 100%. And I said, the ability these young players and these senior players have got, if we do that and we, we compete and we fight every day, then the football takes care of itself. And, you know, I want to be an attacking, free-flowing, you know, coach with all the systems imaginable with, you know, movement and rotation and things like that. But we need to be hard to beat. And I think if I instill that from day one, which I have done, then... You know, we're on a good footing. Um, a lot of people say that veterans rub off on young players. Yep. Do you think it's, uh, it's, it goes the other way? Even if their young players don't realise it, that they rub off on the veterans and get them more youthful and everything? Yeah. Of course they do. They, you know, they test young players. And, you know, the reason I like young players is because, like I said, you, they, they put older players under pressure because there's nothing worse when you're an older player than when a young player wants your place. If it's another senior player, well, sometimes they do and they don't and they're out of form and they know how hard to push them young players push themselves to the limit every day and I think if they're competing with a senior player in that position then, and they've got a coach that's open to giving young players chances then I think it rubs them the right way yes ok thanks a lot ok As anyone that's listened to Carl Robinson in this off-season will know, if anyone is going to be a manager in MLS that's going to play young guys this year, Carl Robinson's going to be that guy. And from speaking informally to the coaches at training this week, they all believe that a number of the young players that we've seen in camp, if they get the roster spot, they're going to get meaningful minutes this year. 
Yeah, and and they're they're going to be with their trip to Arizona. They're playing three games there. The first one's going to be against Indy Eleven, uh, where you kind of probably expect because it is a semi-pro team, you expect a lot of their trialists and uh, young players to be playing in that one. That's definitely the, the match to to kind of see what these guys have. Probably see a lot of the the residency guys starting and coming on a sub. Samson and Cyrus, you'd imagine, would have a half each in the right back role. Maybe see Christian Dean starting with Jackson Farmer in the centre of defence. So yeah. that that game's not streamed, but that would be a, a fantastic game to watch because you're going to get a really good gauge as to what these players are like. And this is the key now. They have to go down to Arizona and not just perform well in training. They have to now go and show that they can play in matches and deserve a spot on the MLS roster. Yeah, and then they play two games against uh, Seattle, and those are the, the, the probably the Thursday game is the one where they're going to see a lot of veterans playing, um, closer with, to what their starting 11 is. I think they're probably mis- mixing some young players in there as well. And then Sunday, that's the game that's going to be streamed from Tucson. Uh, again, again, once again against Seattle. So they're playing two games against Seattle. Um, that one, I think, as well will be, because it's only it's about three days, that'll be more of a mix between yeah. the two. I think we'll see a lot of substitutions in that. You yeah. might even see three periods instead of two halves. I know yeah. they, that they did that a lot last year. They played 120-minute games. And that game is going to be streamed on MLSsoccer.com, so it's a chance for everyone back home to kind of watch that. But uh, one thing we should mention also about Arizona, because it is the U.S., it's easier to get people into the U.S. for trials and everything like that instead of having to deal with a Canadian visa. You, I think you're going to see a lot of trial trialists in this camp. This is where you're going to see a lot of players come into camp on trial. It's easier for them to get uh, people into America instead of working with the Canadian visas. So, and And we've heard that there will be at least one signing announced during their time in Arizona as long as they can cross all the T's and dot all the I's and also make sure that MLS approves of the contract and everything. We don't know if it's going to be through a loan or it's a, a you know an all-out signing and everything, but it will be uh, an attacking player, most likely somewhere in the midfield, somebody who can provide goals from the midfield. And that's good to see because there, there are definitely still holes in the squad as we've discussed. And it was also one of our talking points that we put out on Twitter this week. We asked listeners to let us know what their one big fear about the Whitecaps squad as it stands right this minute. What their one big fear about it is for the rest of the preseason going into the MLS season. Jorge Mendoza at JM3NDOZA and also from the from the Backline podcast, he said his biggest concern is that as it stands right now, after June, our best striker is Darren Mattox. Uh, Drayton... Alan Van As, uh, same Twitter handle. Uh, biggest fear, lack of goals from the midfield, and having to rely on injury-prone Miller and inconsistent Maddox as striker. So he has similar fears. Rob Heinrichs, at Rob Heinrichs on Twitter, said his biggest fear is the inability to put the ball in the back of the net because of a lack of service to inexperienced forwards. Tim Horita, at TJ Horita, says that they'll have they'll be a non-playoff team that plays all the veterans. No cups and no youth development. I, I don't see that one. I understand where you're saying that's the biggest fear, but I, I see that probably not likely happening. At least the no youth development. Well, John Humphreys at LWO04, he says to Tim's tweet, Spot on. Desire, pressure to get results internally and externally causes Caps to abandon building from within. That's his biggest fear. 
at Caps Offside, which is run by Brent Walters, uh, said wasting money on a UK import, a washed up QPR and midfielder with limited utility. And Colin Elves responded to that with saying, or you could just make him a DP and stick with the trend. Hopefully we're not going to see any washed up players coming over from England and, and being made DPs. I think we've maybe learned our lesson in that regard. If it's going to be a DP, it has to be a young DP. Or at least in this prime or something like that. Corey Jackson at Whitecaps for Life says, Generally scoring goals, but particularly the lack of depth, quality up front, and the well-documented number 10 spot. I think a lot of people are worried that that, that spot's not going to be filled again once again this year. I think that the the biggest fears that we're, we're getting from those tweets, it, it's all on the attacking side. I mean, the defensive side does look set. It should be we've got five, possibly six central defenders back there. I don't know how more there. set you can get with that. I know. Unless, we, unless we're going to go for a Craig Levine, Scotland-type defence with no one up front and just pack the back. But, I mean, there are concerns, especially around the creativity from the midfield. That was a big concern last season. Hasn't really been addressed in this off-season and if we're expecting the young guys to provide that creativity, they definitely have the skill, they definitely have the flair, but they're untested at that level to see if they can perform. Yeah. And it's a lot of pressure to put on some young guys to keep that going for the, for a whole season. For sure. But we'll finish the, the biggest fear section with a tweet from Colin Tyner, at C.H. Tyner. He said, I fear, perhaps hope, that the players, going all out with the 40th anniversary celebrations, grow some big, bristly moustaches. And that kind of brings us nicely just to a, a quick talk about the 40th anniversary celebrations. Whitecaps announced today that they're making some big plans for this season. They've launched a new section on the website, paying homage to, to the past 40 years of football in Vancouver. Obviously, you're going to have people saying it's not the same club, etc, etc. But... We're wanting to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the original Whitecaps founding and just 40 years of football in Vancouver in general. And we've been doing that on AFTN if you've been following our all-time great series. Two players elected into the team so far, the goalkeepers from the NESL and the CSL D2 days, Phil Parks and Paul Dolan. And the search is on for the MLS goalkeeper at the moment, so go to AFTN.ca and cast your vote for that. And then next week, we're going to start looking at the back line. So the Whitecaps are heading down to Arizona. Just before we wrap this podcast up, we've seen a lot of the pre-season camp so far, and we're going to do this on a regular weekly, maybe every 10 days or so, as the pre-season continues. Steve and me are going to select who right now we feel our starting 11 is from the players that we've got signed or in camp. So let's quickly run through that. We'll start position by position. Do we both agree that David Ousted is our starting goalkeeper? Yes, I think there's no doubt in that one. Now, my back four would be right back, Stephen Betashure, left back, Jordan Harvey, and my choice for central defenders, from just what we've seen in training camp and everything so far, I'm going to go with Andy O'Brien and Carlisle Mitchell. Okay. I will match that, almost, and I will switch... Carla Mitchell with Johnny Lebron. Oh, no love for Jay Demer. I thought you were going to go with Jay because you have to think Jay is going to be the guy. I think starts. he is going. To, I think he is but going to be. From perhaps, what we've seen in yeah. training, he 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 hasn't done enough to me to show that he deserves that. It, it's not just spot. training. I just I like I said. I always thought he was going to get signed, but I don't know if he should should have been signed. But 
So I'm I'm probably gonna say that no at this point I wouldn't put him in, but I think he even by me saying this I think he will be in the starting lineup, unless there's an injury of course. If I'd seen a little bit more defensively from him, so this might change over the next couple of weeks as we as we see him play in some actual games. Christian Dean has had a really good training camp. He looks so composed on the ball, really good going forward, but a little bit of weaknesses at the back. So let's see how he does in games. So your your midfield. Well, first of all, what what formation do you, do you want your team? To, uh, to be I would probably in? go with a four two three one at this point. M- me as well. Yeah. So we're we're very agreed here. So then, who's who's your two? I I would probably go with Rio Coker and Kofi at this point, I'm just with, because of experience and everything. I don't. I, there's no really other holding midfielder. The only other person is Bellucci, but he, we haven't even seen him yet in any kind of scrimmage or anything like that. So what's your three and one? Uh, my three are probably. I would probably put Tybert in the middle as the number 10 because really there's no other option at this point. And the other two guys on the outside is I would put Kakuta Mane. Even though he hasn't trained, I still think that based on last year a little bit that I think he does deserve to be one of those spots. And I'm going to put somebody that has impressed in the preseason and that's Omar Salgado. And up front? Up front, I would go Kenny Miller even though, again, he hasn't trained very much. But I think I still think he's... Uh, to have that kind of veteran presence up top and the guy that's going to work hard, I think that's very important in, in, at the beginning of the season and at the beginning of games. I'm going to be a little bit different from you in that I'm going to have Kenny Miller dropping back behind the top guy. So I'm going to have him in the three in the middle and I'm going to have Kakutamani on the left and I'm going to put Russell Tybert on the right with Omar Salgado, the big target man, up front on his own. So that, that's just our thoughts from what we've seen so far. So we'll, we'll do this regularly over the next coming weeks and, and see how this kind of changes. So that's all for another podcast. It's probably going to be the only one we do this week. We'll wait until we've seen some of the games and, and watch the stream on Sunday before we do any more. Before we go, Steve, let everyone know where they can find you online. On Twitter, you can find me at WhitecapsBeat and obviously writing for AFTN Canada. And I'm Michael McCall and you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Send us an email at aftncanada at hotmail.com and find our stuff on Canadian Soccer News, aftn.ca and also watch out for our stuff on soccerly.com. The Whitecaps are in Arizona now, going to enjoy some heat while we freeze here in Vancouver. It could be a make or break 10 days for a number of guys in camp and we might not even see some of them back when they do return back to Vancouver and start training again on Valentine's Day. It's going to be an interesting camp. Young guys, can they keep it going? The old guys, are they going to come on to a game? We'll soon see, and then by the next time we speak to you, we'll know exactly how the Whitecap squad is taking shape. So until then, thanks for listening, take care, and mon the caps. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.